0: Marketing podcast where business owners, digital marketers, and creatives collide. Hey, all! Uh, this is Kevin Getch here with uh, with Web4. I want just—I'm super excited today. We're kind of giving you a two-for-one special today uh, with the Web4 Marketing Podcast and. Um, We've been uh, doing this podcast for a while, and mainly have one guest on. And today, we wanted to bring on two both amazing people at at Web4, uh, and we have a great topic we're going to be talking about today as well. So um, we have Michael Cortez as well as Jake Morley, and I'll I'll go ahead and let you uh, uh, introduce yourselves. Michael, you want to give a quick introduction?
1: Awesome, thanks, Kevin. Uh, I'm
0: Michael Cortez. I'm the marketing manager over here
1: at Web4. Uh, I enjoy SEO and eat, which is a concept we'll be talking about today, expertise, authority, and trust uh, for Google. And yeah, looking forward to another awesome Web4 marketing podcast. Uh, Jake, you want to introduce yourself to the to the audience?
2: Sure. So uh, as Michael said, my name is Jake. I'm an SEO specialist here at Web4. This is my first time being on here, so I'm really excited. Um, I've been doing yeah, I've been doing digital marketing for about um, nine years, uh, where I truly found my passion for SEO specifically uh, during this endeavor. And I guess my favorite parts of SEO are on-page SEO and uh, keyword research specifically. But I really get excited about all things SEO.
0: Awesome, awesome. And this this topic today is it's a really interesting one because it's a it's a conceptual topic that. Um, Google uses and a a lot of experts in the industry always look at it and try to determine and really understand, well, how are they utilizing? uh, And first, before we get into, we talked a little bit, and Michael alluded to, we're going to be talking about EAT today. And so not eating, which, you know, I'm getting hungry now, but uh, we're talking about EAT, which is expertise, authority, and trust. and so. Michael or yeah, I'll start out with Michael and then Jake if you want to add anything to this. Let's let's kind of explain to and, and if you can try to give a a simplistic overview uh for those people who maybe aren't SEO experts and kind of have that knowledge, like what is EAT and then like how is that um like when we're talking about this, we're just to provide context. I always got to remember uh, we're talking about search engines. We're talking about how search engines rank content, how your content can, can get into the search engines and rank well. So, in relation to that, what is Eat, Michael?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Eat is, uh, as you said, kind of an interesting topic in the SEO community, and, and I'd say hotly debated. Uh, a little bit as far as people have different understandings of what it is. Uh, but EAT was introduced by Google uh, in 2015 in the quality rater guidelines. And if we'll talk more about that uh, in a little bit, if you look at the quality rater guidelines, it's mentioned quite frequently um, throughout it in different areas. Uh, but really, what EAT is, uh, is a quality score uh, for Google. So they use different data points uh, to basically assess the quality score of an overall site an author publisher um and then basically score it based on uh you know how it how authoritative and it, much of an expert and how much they trust uh that author or that website um so eat is a concept where you typically see it a little more um it's for industries that are what's considered your money your life which we'll get to that later too like medical and stuff, you see, eat come into play uh, a bit more um, when you're talking about YMYL topics. So we'll touch on that later. I'm I'm just breaking all sorts of news way too early here. So
0: yeah, yeah. And Jake, what is there anything else you have to add to that? I know Michael kind of dove pretty deep and kind of covered a lot of things. But is there any other, I guess, uh, vantage points you have on that that you want to share?
2: Uh, I think really the main uh, point that I want to point out there, I guess, is that um, it really, it it helps Google distinguish, obviously, you know, sites and weed out um, the non-knowledgeable sites or are uh, the less valuable, right? So I think uh, in doing that really helps, especially as Michael uh, alluded to, the YMYL, which we'll get to here soon, um, but that specifically uh, could really hurt you if you if you got the bad advice um, that some of these sites could pot- potentially provide unknowingly um, so we'll we'll kind of get into that here soon but um, yeah it's it's very important
0: yeah Kevin's a good point because a lot of people don't um... A lot of people were thinking about how do I get into the rank, but not realizing that this is also to keep out a lot of the stuff that's just low quality uh, in there as well. And so it's kind of a spectrum of low quality to kind of high quality and meeting these general guidelines and um, getting those out there. So I'm sorry, Michael, were you going to say something?
1: Yeah, and maybe it would be good for us to kind of – give a little bit more of a definition of each of the areas of EAT. So expertise, authority, and trust. I'm not sure if you yep. want to actually call Please. out. Yeah. So expertise, um, the E in Eat, right, is looking at the, the notoriety of an author. So how authoritative is an author um, for that given topic, for that given subject, right? So uh, a lot of factors. What is the – what type of podcast, video content? Uh, blog content has that have those user has that author published in the past, right? So that's a big portion of the expertise assessment. The authority assessment is, um, which is the A and E, uh, is more of a site wide quality score uh, as well as an author quality score for um, looking at how authoritative is a site. That could be based on link signals. That could be based on quality of content. A number of factors, authors. Uh, and how authoritative is this author? That could be based on things like how much is this author published on this this document or this topic. Um, how quality is the author's content? How much is the author referenced uh, throughout the web? And you know how no, notable are they throughout the web? Ah, almost made up my own word there. And <laughs> <Notifiable>. then, um, <laughs> and then tr- trust is really just the credibility of an author or or a website. So how credible is the brand or the author in Google's eyes? So that's really those three factors when we're talking about expertise, authority, and trust, just diving in a little deeper there.
0: Yeah, I I tend to think of things in, like, real-life situations, and it's – I mean, if you were to – if you were trying to assess – uh information like for anything like you're trying to assess information there's a certain process to go about that to understand is this person that I'm talking to like if you're taking in information you you have different ways of kind of understanding whether it's um valid good information because you're looking at the source of that information like what you know about them like you know what others like they're standing in the community so there's all those different elements that kind of come into play um with just real life situations. And, and what I think is cool about it is Google is trying to take that same concept and, and create an algorithmic approach for it, which Absolutely. which the you mentioned earlier, the quality rater guidelines, which a lot of people don't know what those are. So if we could um, kind of talk a little bit about quality rater guidelines, and I guess for those who don't know, I'll give a little bit of context, just so you understand what that is. And then Michael, maybe you can, Go into a little more detail. Explain how that actually impacts search results, whether it impacts them directly or indirectly. How it's like actually utilized, and so. For those that don't know, there's a there's a program that Google has where they have live people that go in and basically look at search results and go through a process of of rating those search results. And they have this huge 160 page document. Um, we can maybe link it in the show notes or you know do something like that. There's this huge huge document that um, is the guidelines for those quality raters. Which a lot of us in the SEO community look at that and say, hey, this is a great tool to utilize to kind of think about like how they're saying what's the quality of the page right and there's all these different details and eat is mentioned as Michael said before Eat's mentioned throughout there multiple times and so uh, Michael, when someone goes in and and you have a quality rater that actually goes in and is rating, maybe maybe they ended up on your webpage, they're rating it, are they manually going in and saying this should rank higher or this should rank lower and that's changing it on Google or, or are they just providing feedback that's more like a, uh, I went to a restaurant and here's some feedback on this one specific thing and it, you know doesn't really yeah. impact things directly?
1: That, that's a, a great question, Kevin, and, and it's definitely the latter. Um, but ultimately, Google quality raters, right, the feedback they're providing to Google um, really helps Google understand that what changes they're making if they're making search experience better, right? So that's the key to it. But on top of that, um, you know, if they're on top of understanding if they're making the search experience more useful, the Google quality raters are also responsible for understanding the quality of a website, right? Is it a high quality? Is a low-quality domain, and then Google is able to basically um, compare their algorithmic assessments versus the manual assessments of the quality raters uh, to make sure that their algorithm is appropriately um, scoring the quality of a domain based on a number of factors, right? Uh, and all these factors are called out in quality rater guidelines, um, from low-quality content to you know HTTP to you know, authorship and, and a number of factors. So, yeah. Um, yeah, they're they're essentially scoring it and providing feedback to Google based on the quality of domain and the quality of the search experience as a whole and improvements Google's making throughout that process.
0: Yeah, and they're not um, – and, I mean, when you go through that, it's an ex- pretty exhaustive list, which I have always said is hugely valuable – tool for us in the community to look at that and do the same ourselves and yeah, reverse engineer it basically and say, Hey, you know, if they're mentioning right here, like they're clearly calling out, like, you know, brand authority, they're calling out author authority. They're calling out like, you know, the way the page is structured from a user experience standpoint, like all those things are very clear in that quality writer guidelines. And I think, um, I just I, I, I love that and it's it's one of the few things you actually get directly from the source of Google that's like, hey, here's how we look at it, <laughs> right? I think that that's a, that's just a huge aspect. and there's so many different uh, nuggets in there, but you you started talking about at the very beginning, you started talking about how eat played a role in Google search. Like yeah. the expertise and breaking that down a little bit more um authority and trust and breaking that down a little bit more and I think there's I think there's so much more there that we can provide and we, we for our clients like we go into this deep dive because when you're th- when you're thinking about search a big part of it is basically developing your thought leadership and core topic categories and really building that out in a very very strategic, structured way, so that you're becoming the thought leader. That you basically are creating that expertise, authority, and trust around that topic by providing high value content. So, um, and Jake or Michael, feel free to jump in and, and kind of touch on different things or add different things. But as a yeah. general rule of thumb, what is Eat's role in Google search? Like a little more deeper dive than what you already went. Through.
1: Yeah, Eat I is. Uh... Jake,
0: today. Well, I think it may
2: be. Would we need to maybe go over uh, YMYL first to kind of explain the importance
0: of um, some of those factors? Um, it, I th- it plays a it plays a big part. Um, I mean, I think I think it's good to provide that context. So here, I'll, I'll touch on it. And I know we have that in the agenda later to dive deeper into um, your money, your life. But uh, YMYL is stands for your money, your life queries, right? And uh, I mean, all kinds of things. Like, uh, what are some of the different industries that that represents, Jake, as far as your money, your life?
2: Yeah. So, so health and wealth, you know, anything from medical um, could be, you know, dentistry, doctors, uh, okay. veterinarian care, um, and then any financial advice. So whether that's, um, you know, telling you where to invest or anything that, you know, could affect your monetary uh, income, or lose, right? Yeah. So, uh, yeah. So, a wide spectrum there, where you obviously would need somebody who is authoritative and has the expertise and um, trust, you know, surrounding those areas. Otherwise, you could really make a huge mistake if you follow incorrect <laughs> <and> information.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's uh, when it's when you're relying on Google search results for certain things, and they're that's basically these are like. They're high priority items, your money, your life, right? Those are, those are, but you know, your money and your life are two very high priority items. And uh, it's, uh, there's a lot of these different kind of acronyms in, uh, in Google search, like QDF, query deserves freshness, which comes into play in this as well. And, but it's having the, your money, your life, at least context is important to understand why Google's looking at this so closely. So with that context, Michael, once you expand a little bit into that, maybe using that as a little bit of a framework to say, here's, here's these situations where this really plays out even more. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I can uh, touch on, how it, the role it plays in search and, and kind of where it comes into the, the ranking process and all of that. I also have a gif that or not a gif, but an image that Google shared uh, from Danny Sullivan. so I want to share that, but the last tidbit on why my YL is when you're talking about those topics, um, you know, the health and wealth and all those areas that Jake and Kevin were mentioned. So there's a higher quality threshold for those topics that it's expected than, Than the rest of non YMYL content, right? So Google's being extra uh scrutinous when they're looking at that content to make sure that it meets those high quality thresholds and that they're not spreading misinformation, as Kevin and and Jake was were mentioning. So that's a key part of that assessment process um when they're when it's going through the algorithms and deciding if it's gonna be indexed and ranked and, and all of that stuff. So um, but circling back to each role in search, uh there's a number of factors where it comes into play, and I'm going to share this image first from from Google, straight from um, straight from their mouth. Let's see if I can find straight it from right. the horse's
0: mouth is always interesting. Mouth. Thank you, Kevin.
1: Straight okay. from the horse's
0: mouth. It's like really like I've never seen a horse talk, but okay. Anyways, <laughs> sorry. Um, <For> everything. <laughs> so Danny Sullivan from Google here mentioning is he the ranking
1: factor? Well, not if you mean the technical thing, like they can measure directly, uh, but if they're, you're talking about a variety of signals, such as link signals, such as content signals, author signals, um, even security signals like HTTPS, they use a variety of signals as a proxy to tell if contact, uh, content matches EAT as humans would assess it. And once again, tying it back to the quality radar guidelines, in that regards, yes, it's a ranking factor. So that's straight from the horse's mouth there. Uh,
0: so actually, this is a, a an example live of EAT, right? So for those who don't know, because there's going to be some people who are like, who's Danny Sullivan? Not in the industry. In the industry, everyone knows Danny Sullivan, right? But for those who don't know, like, why does he have such high trust? And why, why are you trusting what he's saying uh, here?
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, no, he is uh, He's an ex-SEO who since has became a, a Google... Uh, on the Google team, right? And now he's a Google, I'm trying to think of the actual team he's on, but he's with John and them, as far as communicating changes to search and yep. and all of that fun stuff. So uh, he's a highly authoritative and trusted individual yep. in the SEO community, because he is one of the individuals that communicates major search changes to, to the SEO community and the digital marketing community. So uh, yes, yep. that is uh, definitely a great example in real time yep. of EAT. Uh, and why you can trust certain content versus over sure. other content, right? Sure. Um, but really, uh, EAT plays a factor in the quality assessment when you're going through the algorithmic process. So it's coming in a number number of ways, whether that's page rank or the Panda algorithm ass- assessing content, right? Um, so off-page, off-page signals, but really after the content is uh, scored using the traditional document scoring methods like the information retrieval and document scoring. It is then passed through a quality signal assessment, right? The EAT assessment to understand if the content meets the quality threshold. So it has been confirmed by Google that they use it in the ranking process for organic content. It's also heavily involved when you're talking about um, like any of the featured snippets or any of the um you know if you're talking about rich snippets if you're talking about review stars if you're talking about uh, faq snippets all of that entity matching um and the authorship and, and the quality assessment is happening during that ranking process as well that algorithmic process uh, and then you, you also see uh eat play a role and in, in and this has been confirmed by google too things like google news um google discover you know you have to have a high quality high level of trust to earn your way into discover results and to news results. Uh, so really you're seeing eat come into uh, search in a number of different ways in that assessment of the quality thresholds, um, right, essentially, you know, right in line with when they're doing the ranking uh, of content. So,
0: yeah, it's a pretty interesting. Yeah. I think, um, yeah, I find it. So, I mean, I think it, It goes back to like some of the foundational elements of history of kind of search and some of the um, advancements they made back to Hummingbird when they first started being able to really understand entities, people, places, things, and to be able to make those connections and semantic connections between all those things. And what's funny is if you understand how we process things in the brain and we make these connections in the brain to all these different things it's very much trying to uh mirror the same kind of thing where it's like you have this concept and it's like once you have these little strings and you attach this string to this concept it's like okay and you're doing the same thing with entities um with concepts where it's like this entity uh this brand is known for sportswear right so it's like you just attach this this yeah. relational meaning but then you have people that are working there and then you have athletes that work under that brand. And so it starts creating and that's why when we see these things in the Google search graph and you're seeing the sports, you know, like players for different sports teams. And then you like, they, it's just to me, it's just amazing the ability to be able to do that and contextualize all of that. And you know and and so it starts with that but then as you you know you get to that point where it's like okay we're trying to continually advance our ability to provide in the way I the the short context I provide for people usually is imagine you're referring people like you're referring uh, your friends your customers your family whoever to this business and but they're not having a good experience how long are you going to do that for you know, probably not very long, right? So it's important that you think about Google in the same way that these are their customers and they're referring them to you and to other these other businesses. And so their whole goal is how do we make sure that we're referring them, understanding the context of what they're looking for, which is a whole nother thing mm-hmm. as far as understanding the query and the intent behind the query, and then matching that to... The millions of documents that are out there and then being able to because they've already categorized those and framed those and kind of structured them together to have this kind of relational meaning uh, and then to be able to pull those up real time when sometimes they also are layering in other things like query deserves freshness or your money, your life. Right. Because um, when, say, like covid uh, first hit. And there's this brand new thing. And, that, and that's one of the things people don't often realize is with Google search, there's like 15% of the queries each day are brand new, right? There's there's all these things. And it's like, it's like, how is that possible? But it's like, so they've had to really create a lot to understand how to be able to process information that they haven't already kind of known and categorized. It's easy to work with the stuff you've already known, the queries you've already gotten, but this is brand new stuff. And so you start getting combinations of, Query deserves freshness because it's like this is something brand new and your money, your life, because this is health related. In those those eat that eat process uh, as far as understanding who are authorities in this topic, who are, ex, you know, who are the experts and how do we know to trust them? It's it's kind of like if you're searching something related to a NASA launch, NASA should probably be, a you know, a, a highly authoritative, um, you know, um, Consideration in that, right? So there's certain things to not just based uh, off the number of What's that? Not
1: just off the number of times NASA in yeah, launch.
0: yeah. I don't have a page that just says NASA, NASA, NASA launch, launch yeah. NASA. You know? <laughs> NASA launch 2022, NASA. You know, like, and that was you know that was SEO back in the early 2000s. Um, but the it's it's so cool to see how far. Um, The algorithm has come, the understanding has come and the quality has come, but it's still one of those things where we're still going like, oh, these still aren't like, we're always trying to improve. Right. Mm -hmm. And so, and I think that's what their goal is with Eat is to get an even deeper understanding of who are the expert authors that relate to these publishers or brands. Sometimes they relate to multiple publishers and brands uh, and the brands and what are their overall topic. And so you just kind of create those semantic umbrella relationships and everything's kind of connected. Um, you, I think you might've talked to, about this before, but under like vectors and, um, anyways, I, won't, I I was about to go down a whole nerd rap, um, like some analysis <laughs> Well, Yeah. Essentially, you
1: know, what you're talking about, Kevin is, you know, spot on, right. Their guide to their, or their path to semantic SEO started pre right in the pandas, the penguins, the hummingbirds, right. That, I mean, that is where their understanding of, Uh, you know, they built the knowledge graph and entity connections like you, like you're talking about, that's really where it all began. And that was kind of, that was pre E and ultimately that helped them, um, be able to understand at a deeper level, you know, um, publishers, authors, and in connections between entities and relationships between people and facts and things. And, And that's, you know, kind of brought us to where we are today. Uh, As far as, you know, introducing BERT and MUM and some of the even newer algorithms uh, that are, you know, specifically for addressing that 15% of unknown searches, right? Um, Serving video content, image content, uh, you know, news results based on what the intent and kind of the meaning of the searches that users are typing in, like you're talking about. So, yeah, that's a huge factor in EAT. It's definitely, it's absolutely tied together. Um, without those algorithm updates and the modern algorithm updates, they wouldn't be able to assess EAT and authorship and, and um, authorities and create those understandings, those connections like we do on, the, on a deep level like that. So that is really was crucial to the development of, of where we're at for EAT today.
0: So how we talked a little bit about it, but how does it play a role in the actual ranking process? Which mm-hmm. And this is, uh, when well, I'd say a heavily debated um, area as well, but like, what are some of the more concrete factors that kind of play a role in the ranking process that contribute to displaying your expertise, to developing authority, to, do, to building trust? Um, and feel free, whoever wants to jump in first and, and take that. Yeah, I can,
1: uh, I can share a few few tips. I mean, like you mentioned, there's really, uh, it's debated. And depending on the source you read out there, some will say there's 30 different factors that they're looking at for EAT. And some are saying there's these three core factors. And some right. say it's just author pages. So there's a number of uh, you know different ideas out there of how they're assessing EAT and assessing qualities at that level. But, you know, once again, I think we can refer back to um, if you want some things that are really kind of in stone here, we can refer back to the quality rater guidelines and a lot of what's mentioned in, in there as some solid areas that they are using to assess E, right? So, content quality, I'd say that's one of the top factors, right? So, they're yeah. absolutely looking at the, the quality of the content um, and the accuracy of the content. Right, because that's a big piece of uh, if they're going to trust if they're going to deem a piece of content high quality or low quality. Right, if it's if it's not accurate, if it has misinformation, um, then that would definitely be considered lower quality content. Right, there's a number of other factors there when it comes to quali- content quality assessment. Uh, also, page rank. so um, the the backlink profile of. Both the piece of content, the website as a whole, and even that author um, can play a, a role here. So anchor text, uh, the, the authoritative mentions of that brand or that uh, that website throughout the web, right? Those those play a, a factor, um, and even some factors such as like HTTPS security, right? Mm-hmm. So Google's looking at you know how secure a domain is, and they're considering that as far as a quality factor when they're when they're assessing the overall quality of a domain
0: right it goes a lot to, it goes to trust quite a bit like if you have that it just is a big trust factor right out the gate
1: yeah and then something that's mentioned quite a bit um that i haven't touched on that could be one of the top factors if you ask me is the authorship right so right your author pages your about us pages how clearly are you marking up your entities in the facts about your entities how, how are you making those connections like kevin's uh, on the board of directors at cmpdx are we calling out those connections for google to clearly understand them and build his authority right um also do does he have an author page that has all the awesome content he's published in the past for google to be able to assess his how he how much he's written on uh on a certain subject or the corpus of documents he has out there, right? So really the author and About Us content is hugely important in the uh, EAT scoring. Um, so that's definitely a factor that many people agree on is one of the top things Google's looking at. So that's just a few. There's many more out there. Um, overall topic topical authority or just how much uh, you've wrote on a certain uh, concept, right? And and a number of other factors come into play here, but really those are some of the top of mind that I would say, uh, for business owners, if you're actually looking on things to focus on, um, for eat, build your, you know, building your eat and then building your authority ultimately and helping your rankings. Those are some of the areas for business owners. I would say that they should uh, probably focus first and build a strong foundation before branching out in some of the other areas. Yeah.
2: I think, uh, specifically, you know, um, a lot of times people are doing the seo not even realizing that it's e so you mentioned you know like http versus https like that's just kind of some of your normal seo checks and yeah. um, topical relevancy you know you're not gonna talk about car repair on a site that talks about um you know so an eat subject, subject such as uh, a veterinarian like you're not gonna just throw that on there and then um, you know, Google's obviously going to see that as you're not an expert in that field. So there's a lot of um, overlap that a lot of people I don't think always uh, see. But I I guess um, my two cents here is uh, I think a lot does go based off of the author. So, um, yeah. you know, the popularity of the author, if they have books published, um, time of the last publication, uh, just, you know, yeah. a lot... I think goes off of that and any awards they have won and um, really contributes to that.
0: Those are some great call outs, Jake. Um, The date to last publish is like you could have someone who was a a highly expert you know, like a high expert, they're authoritative, they're trusted, but they haven't written anything for the last 15, 20 years. Right. right. And the topic has changed a lot in that time. So, you know, maybe there, there's a lot that's changed and depending on what it is, especially if you're talking about something to do with SEO, that <laughs> like, changes. Yeah, they would not Luckily, be an expert daily, anymore at SEO. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. If it's e- even in the Technology or medical industry, there's things that they just change very quickly. So that um, how that query deserves freshness is is kind of different than that to some extent. QDF goes more towards news, but it's still that same kind of idea of how the relevance and recency of that information that uh, they're publishing. And I think um, I, I I think a lot like you mentioned the awards and if you think about if you start out with a brand you start out in an individual and you kind of use those things right and so you say you have a brand and you have a you know executive or person in that uh, organization regardless of their position and they start to um be on sitting on a board, and they start to get an award, and they start to be published, and they have a you know all these things that happen. They they're publishing on their site, but now they're also been published on Forbes. They've been published on these other sites. So all these co-occurrences and mentions related. So like your we talk a lot about the distance to other trusted entities in both the link graph or just co-occurrence of brand or you know uh, individual mentions of that author. And so you have all those things that kind of come into play just like it. So everything to me relates back to real life. Like how do you do this in real life? How do you build authority in real life? How do you build expertise in real life? How do you build trust in real life? Like those things all translate to what we're doing on the web from this standpoint as well. And what a lot of people I don't think like if you're in the medical side, Yeah, and you're publishing something, those little acronyms after your name, those will come into play because it's like those mean you have a master's degree. That's a huge sign of trust and authority and expertise, right? But that only goes to a certain level as far as like, oh, you've got a master's degree, but now where are you there? So it's like all of those things come into play and are easy signals that Google can pick up to say, hey, like in this medical space, yeah, you have your master's degree, but as I start to understand, like I can also see, you have your master's degree in this field, and you're t- talking about this field, so like all those things come into play, right? And I, yeah, I I, f- I find it so amazing, um, and uh, yeah, it's just very very cool. Um, yeah, you you both mentioned some great
1: topics as far as authors is huge here, right? Co-occurrence of author, um, the mentions of the author, just how no- notable is it? I almost made up my own word again how notable is this author right and like you're saying Kevin it, it works the exact same in the real world as it does it has how Google's trying to assess it uh, online so it's a very similar process to to building your
0: authority so yeah I think call well, callouts I think one of the big uh, biggest differences that you don't see though it is um, there's other ways this happens uh, is is links right so someone linking to your you your website yeah it's we call we 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 kind of refer to these general things links mentions as endorsements so all these different testimonials people talking about you and your brand and there's kind of different levels of those endorsements and links are a very, very powerful one for SEO and so then you have it's a it's a highly authoritative site is like oh this is huge we got a link to our site from this. Well, they're in the veterinary industry. And I'm in car repair. That's still authoritative link. But if, you know, it's a veterinary industry linking to, you know, it's the veterinary industry association linking to my veterinary website. And it's talking about, um, I'm not going to use the proper uh, term here because, uh, I was about to say animal husbandry <laughs> and I'm like, I'm <laughs> making sure I'm not saying something bad because it sounds like an interesting word. So I'm like, but so they're linking to that and someone's searching that that's going to provide because of it, both the authoritativeness and because it's highly relevant and the content that's within the context of what they're talking about and linking to you, all those things come into play and, and link over here and say like, they're linking to your now. You have a book, and maybe they're linking to your book on it, or your article that you wrote that's really in depth. And they're saying, "Hey, this is this is a great source to kind of uh, check that out." And so, um, yeah, that Absolutely. that base foundation of citing. I mean, that was what Google was really built on. What was it? Back scratch? What was the original name of Google that they were coming up? It was like called Back Scratch or something like that. I forget it sounds it familiar. But yeah. Before they yeah. called it Google, they were thinking of coming up with something like Back Scratch or something like that because it was in college, right? Yeah, yeah. It was like because it's this person is endorsing this person over here, and and so their original algorithm was all built on links, uh, and it's still a, a big uh, portion of. It. So that comes into play as well. But Back rub. Uh, What's that? Back rub. Back rub. That's what it was. It was like back scratch. (laughs) Close, Yeah. You almost, you almost
1: got it. But yeah, no, that's, that's interesting. Yes. Link still plays a huge role in, in
0: still the eat process and the ranking process uh, as a whole. You mentioned eat scores and like the ratings. How is there, is there like (laughs) everyone always is like, how do we game this? But how do those ratings work? Like how do eat ratings work? Um, and is there any way to kind of contextualize that for people to provide more value?
1: So uh, the EAT ratings work kind of like we've we've mentioned, looking at those number of factors like we were just talking about from link scores to author scores to, um, you know, content signals, off-page signals, all of these different factors uh, and really assessing the quality of it, right? Through that expertise, authoritativeness and trust signals um, that we've been alluding to, right? after the traditional uh, ranking process occurs right after the traditional document scoring and, and um, uh, just traditional organic, organic ranking process, right. Then there's a quality assessment, um, assessing those factors. Like we were just talking about links, uh, anchor text uh, mentions of an author, right. Uh, content quality, HTTPS and, and really the, Factors could go on and on, but that's really where you're seeing EAT play a big role in the process. You mentioned the scores of EAT, which to me is interesting because I think this is a subject that, um, and Jake, if you had something to add to that, please please stop me at any time. Um, I think this is an interesting concept because there's also not necessary necessarily clarity across the industry um, on an EAT score, right? That's that's a big question I've seen, especially recently. Like, is there an EAT score that's assessed for the domain? Um, and really the answer there is no. It's There's no one single EAT score um, like that's official. the domain yeah. level. Right. That's oh, this is quality
0: or this is low quality. Like it's a, a credit score. I can't. I can't look up my eat score. Yeah, and, you yeah.
1: can't look up your, exactly. It's a number of uh, algorithmic processes that are being performed in the background, from page page rank to um, you know content assessments, and you know, we've already alluded to a number of those areas. Uh, that essentially is, and they're aggregating the different uh, quality assessments uh, to basically assess how author how much how expertise authority authoritative and trustworthy uh, content is or a publisher is or a website is right um, so that's really what we see is is an aggregation of different algorithmic processes and less a uh, single score that google is using to say this person's 66 out of 100 in e right um that's not something that at least google's on record saying that the SEO community is pretty much on board agreeing with that, right? Um, so if they could surprise us one day and say, here's your EAT scores. But right. From everything that's out there, there's no single EAT score.
0: Yeah, kind of. Go ahead, Jake. Sorry.
2: I was just going to say that, that's well said. Um, I think, uh, uh, as you had mentioned, you know, we always try and uh, not necessarily gamify, but I guess, you know, in a sense, trying to quantify and you know everything you can do to obviously rank better right that's what we're supposed to do so um i think you know it's just a lot of it just comes down to best practices uh just you know doing what you would normally do of white hat seo um while obviously taking these things into account but as long as you know you're you're doing your best at trying to establish the you know eat and um every way possible, along with all the other ranking signals. you know. As Michael said, there's, there's a list and list and list of everything you can do. But a lot of that is just your main SEO that you're looking at you know, as
0: well. Yeah. No, I think that's a, a good point. Um, we talked uh, before about uh, we dove into Your Money, Your Life and how this comes into play a little bit previously. Um, but I wanted to circle back around to that because it – those two, the intersection between eat and and your why, we'll just call it YMYL for now. Everyone knows what it is now. So YMYL, um, the intersection between those two is is an, basically what computes to an increasing importance. Like you said, Michael, the the threshold, the score required for those sites is is more intense. The scrutiny of those is like it, you know, if it's kind of like saying like, hey, you're trying to get into this elite club. You know, it's going to be harder to get into that club than say, oh, yeah, you just pay the membership fee for 24-hour fitness. Well, it's like, no, you're trying to get into this elite club where it's like you have to go through all these series of things, right? And when it's any situation online where someone is going to be transa- taking transactions, your money online, or they're advising you about what to do with your money, uh, or they're um, – sharing medical information, psychological information, like all those kind of things, I think it becomes um, like you said before, it becomes so much more important. So, and I mean, we have talked about this quite a bit, but I think it's important because we work with a lot of clients in the medical industry. And so what are some of the things you can do if someone's in that, in an industry like that and e-commerce and you know, all those different areas, like what is, Things that they can do. Yeah. What are the things that they can do if they're in that category of YMYL um, to to really level up um, so that they're meeting those higher thresholds?
1: Yeah. So I think it really in these, I, th- I think ties in the best practices for, for all industries, right? We should yeah. all be focusing on trying to um, really just you know, create the best experience possible for users. I think that's what it right. boils down to for, exactly. for for me in my mind is focusing on the user and what makes sense for them and the journey they're taking and make sure you're providing them all the information they need um, and really just making it the smoothest, best experience possible, right? And then ultimately you're, you have the right end goal in mind, right? And then, then it's just the... Um, you know, step A, B, Z to get to that end goal, right? So there are a number of factors. Um, we've alluded to them some throughout the episode, but I'll, I'll highlight a few. And then Jake and Kevin, you can add some thoughts around um, some what you'd recommend if you're in the e-commerce industry or the medical industry, and you're looking to uh, really reinforce your expertise, authoritativeness, and trust uh, with Google. Um, so we talked about this one, and I'm going to start it just because it's it's almost like checking the box for websites but and it's it seems so simple but https right so security so google is looking at that not only for eat but they're also looking at that for page experience they've stated they're looking at https security for for page experience so definitely make that something that you're taking care of for your site and you're checking that uh, you don't have your site accessible through HTTP and, and HTTPS, so kind of doing your due diligence and your technical yeah. audits there, right? And a lot of
2: people nowadays are aware of that. You know, they get the big sign when <laughs> they go to the site that says this is an unsecure site, and yeah, you know, in today's day and age of technology, most people know what that means. And it's I'm not putting to my credit card that. information. But I'm yeah. not going to purchase anything if the site says that. So, I hundred percent agree. Fox,
1: yeah, and that ties back to what we're saying about users, right? It's like yeah. if users aren't going to trust it because oh, there's you don't have that lock in the in the upper left and it's not secure, your information is not secure, it can be hit by uh man-in-the-middle attacks or, or a number of things, right? You're not going to enter your credit card information. You're probably right. not going to purchase from them. You might not even trust the content that you're seeing on the site. So, um, yeah, that's definitely such a simple thing, but could be make or break ultimately in a customer's buying decision um, and to trust your brand. Um, Author pages, about us pages, that's an area where I think uh, is not really thought, um, not enough strategies put in that area or really enough focus is, is put in that area as far as really marking up your entity, facts about your entity when you were formed, um, you know, who the founder is, their connections with other industries or with other um, uh, memberships in, in other areas or uh, their expertise, right? Um, so about us and author pages, I think are huge. Um, so make sure you have those built out and uh, the nicer they look, the better they're able to communicate information and the more they're able to build you as an expert authority authority and trust in your given area, the more of that impact that's going to have. Um, so really- Focusing in on those author and and about us pages.
2: Yeah, I think also um, if you're some of the things you were mentioning there, you could also find in schema markup that they're looking for. Right. So you can look at a lot of that information that you could pull and insert that in there before you even do the schema markup. So
1: you. uh, Yeah, you you. Took Well, not took, but that's one of my next ones is, it was on the list, schemas, right? Like if you want to connect the dots for Google, like Kevin and Jake were mentioning earlier, right, those relationships really have the knowledge graph operates, right? Connecting the entities, connecting the facts, and connecting those relationships, right? Um, schema is huge, whether you're talking about person schema, organization schema, local business schema, um, if you're talking about FAQ schema... The list goes on and on, right? That is a big part of uh, Google helping understand how the different connections are made throughout uh, your knowledge graph and their knowledge graph and helping them form entity connections and um, under that whole entity matching uh, process, the named, named entity um, recognition process. Kevin alluded to this in a previous episode, which I've actually heard other people mention since then. Google essentially is using schema um, just like they're using the quality readers they're using schema to assess their understanding of entities and relationships between entities and basically benchmark it against their understanding of the content of unstructured data versus structured data and schema so schema on top of being helping Google better understand things is also kind of helping Google provide a better search experience to users, yep. which is interesting topic I never thought about previously. It's an interesting concept.
2: Cool. Yeah, definitely. A um, lot of good information there. I think uh, some of my examples would be uh, PR content is great. You know, using that as Michael had mentioned uh, for a schema markup and linking. Um, would be good for uh you know showing eat and it's always this may be simple but just using the correct terminology right um you can see that for uh getting sometimes featured for uh feature snippets and using the correct terminology that you would have associated with medical terminology or um you know stuff to do with veterinarians or uh, finance or whatever obviously an expert isn't going to be using you know, uh, terminology that wouldn't be associated or kind of some of that lingo and slang that you would see in that um, field.
1: Yeah, um, that's a, and apologize if I cut you no, off. No, you're good. That's a great call out yeah. is make this simple for Google, right? Clearly answer questions in a way that Google can understand. Like if you, if you have a piece of content and should be high quality content, like the theme of this uh, whole episode, right? If you have a question called out in H2, you should be clearly answering that question in a way they're able to understand um, really easily, inform those entity connections really easily. So if you're talking about how long does uh, it take to recover from the surgery, right? Uh, very clearly answering it right away is gonna ha- give you a better chance to rank and feature snippets and help Google better assess you as a quality piece of content, right? So. How long does it take to recover from X surgery It takes 48 hours to recover from X surgery and you'll be back on your feet, right? That, that ties back to those connections on the knowledge graph and that whole, uh, that entity connection, which is called subject predicate object or um, the relationship connections, right? V- Google is assessing content in a very similar way. They're making those entity connections on the knowledge graph. So they're looking for clearly connected entities in your con in your content and um making it harder for them to read unstructured content to connect those entities is ultimately going to hinder your ability to rank well and rank in featured snippets and all that so just make it easy for google um that's a great call out there jake sorry go down a little bit
2: that yeah no that's you uh hit the nail on the head there um i so this was kind of uh something that i've looked into a little bit um you know in in terms of if you, if you don't have any great publications you could also look at making like an ebook and getting that on amazon
0: yeah
2: um right. even you know you don't have to publish uh and go through the whole publishing a physical book and you know the cost associated with all that you could actually go with a, a simple ebook on it and get that up on amazon fairly easily and you can get some credibility right away there yeah um yeah, and then absolutely. uh Cheers yeah yeah and then another one that may not need to be harped on um but uh you know just looking at the quality of content so doing Mm, your due diligence on pruning you know um and so i want to preface that first by saying you know don't just start deleting stuff uh without looking at clear (laughs) indications that it needs to be but uh, my advice would first be to see if you can go ahead and improve the content, make sure it's still relevant, of course, but you can improve it, obviously improve it first, but just, um, going through and, you know, pruning anything that is deemed low, uh, quality content.
0: Awesome. Yeah, I, I, uh. <laughs> I love this because I'm I'm like thinking through all these different things right now and like I remember um, one of our current clients when we first uh, they're a large a much larger hospital um, and when we were going through this with them because they're definitely in that your money your life section as well as you know we're thinking about eat and thinking about all these things and how much <laughs> it's funny how much strategy and operations and all these other things come into play with the ability to execute on creating the quality. So like in their case, we were pitching and and eventually we're able to get them to actually do this was we said they had 250 physicians. And we said, if they could just create one piece of content because the way we were structuring the site was structured by practice area and each practice area had its own kind of specialization area. And then we're like, if they create the content, we can automatically bring that content into here. And and you can start creating these these perfect relationships between these pages. Not perfect, but like really well-structured relationships between these pages of, okay, this is all about, um, we'll just say it's a, in like pediatrics and maybe it's cardiology, pediatric cardiology is is even a, a farther like down that tunnel and you have the pediatric cardiology page and then you have the the actual pediatric cardiologists or them on those pages. And then when they create content, that content flows into that page as well as like a main blog or something like that. And this whole concept of doing this was like, literally they can just create one, but we knew the biggest, this is where I, I love like one of our strengths Uh, about SEO actually comes from emotional intelligence and psychology and like understanding how to get shit done (laughs) because, because we said, Hey, you're going to run into that. As like the way you you structure this and communicate it out to the team is going to determine whether they actually want to do it or not. So you want to communicate it, but you want to already have like a certain group of authoritative physicians on board creating content, and then publish that, and then give recognition, lots of recognition to them about that. And and everyone else will start going, Oh, look, they cool, they did this thing and they shared their expertise. So it's really I I find it so interesting to do that because then all of a sudden people are creating content, the physicians are creating content because they're like, Oh, this is cool. Dr. Howard, you know, published this whole thing and it got published and it was shared throughout the company in the newsletter and it was online on the social media and all this stuff, and um, you know, so it's it's interesting to understand like how you can bring this into your strategy and your overall um, really goals. But when you understand these things and align them effectively, and then I just wanted to touch on two other things that are in that intersection between uh, your money, your life, and eat. One is the financial space, like you have uh, Finra, SEC, um, different. I'm trying to think of uh, some of the other uh, HIPAA. What's that? HIPAA. Oh, uh, uh, so that's on the health side, which... Health side, yeah, yeah, yeah. On the, so on the health we, side, you have HIPAA and high-tech. Yeah, OX.
1: DSS, that'd be credit card related as far yeah, as... Yeah, so
0: you have HIPAA and high-tech on the health side, which like having a privacy policy and having that information clearly, explaining what information you collect, like all those things are come into that kind of trust factor. And that also goes to the e-commerce side when you're talking about some of those other connections is... Do you have a very clear policy on that? Do you have very clear return policy? Like all, all those different things build into that. But on the financial side, it's it's a very similar thing as well Is you have to have some of those certain things on your site that are right. Because they're often required by the SEC. They're required in certain cases to have them, first of all. But then from a ranking standpoint, if you're providing invest, investment advice, um, then Google's going to be looking for some of those things right out the gate. So there's, there's a lot of those things in some of those industries. And that's why they're fairly heavily regulated because people have done bad things, unfortunately. Um. <laughs> I, I love
1: your call out there for like the website architecture, how yeah. that can play such right. a huge role in really your ability to build topical authority. Like you're talking about in our previous example, right. Yeah. Uh, or, you know, building out your like, your corpus your thematic uh, document corpus of like a certain topic right it's all topical authority it's kind of connected right so um just your strategy can drive that those eat signals so much right if you have hundreds of different doctors publishing all medical related content right um like you're talking about the freshness of that content's huge the amount of content and then just the authority of those the number of doctors there i mean that that, those signals to Google could amplify, really, their understanding of your um, what you do and your business and the services you offer and really create connections uh, on another level. So so that's, yeah, an awesome example, Kevin.
0: Cool. Um, so we've covered a ton, and I, I'd love to just finish, finish up by just sharing. Uh, we can just kind of round rock. Robin real quick and I'll just share what's one best practice that you'd recommend. And it doesn't have to be like the best. It could be what's easy to implement or something you should just do out the gates. If it's not done, like what's your, and, and Michael, you're going to want to say more than one. Don't say more than one. Cause you're going to want to say, this. <laughs> don't steal my, <mine. laughs> don't steal, don't steal Jake's. Jake can go first. Actually. We yeah, go first. Jake we'll start with Jake. We'll go to Michael. I'll end it up. And then uh, we'll, we'll, there. So, Jake, sure. what's your, what's your, best practice you'd recommend uh, people start and like start with first what's the thing they need to focus on
2: uh in my mind um so it's already been touched on but uh, a little bit further is michael the head uh went over just the about me page and yeah um, really getting the author box really established and set up that's easily aligned and um so google can easily sift through it and decipher everything you need so um my best advice there would be to also go to uh, like schema.org and kind of look at some of those and see all the things they're looking for and get those already established in there. Whether you do the schema markup or not, at least you have that, that's easily crawlable hopefully. And then as time goes by, you can implement the uh, schema markup and um, hopefully that will be a good start.
0: No, that's awesome, that's great. Great. great
1: Uh, My tip is from Jake's, uh, oh, Jake's over here for me. Um, hire us to do your schema markup <laughs> once you get your information published. Um, no, no, I'll, I'll take it back serious quality content. I mean, that's the name of the game, right? Uh, we shouldn't be trying to game Google um, because it's ultimately not going to be a good long-term strategy and it's ultimately going to uh, end up. Penalty. Creating of, yeah, yeah, it's going to be penalties and, you know, filters and all sorts of things. So really focusing on publishing, think about the user's what's best for the users, answer their questions clearly, and try to create the best content you possibly can, right? Like give Google a reason to rank you number one. So if, you know, you should be publishing, uh, I don't want to be corny here, but 10x content, uh, as far as what's ranking number one in that spot right now. So focus on users, that'd be my number one recommendation there. Yeah,
0: you kind of yeah. you kind of added two in there. You oh, slid. No. I knew Michael was going to slide. <sighs> nose of quality content. I guess focus on users is part of quality content. Yeah. Um, so so mine mine would be so it, it, it's tough trying to say just one because I'm like this have a strategic site architecture. So if you if you If you understand what your customer is looking for, which we can do very well, dive in and understand what are all the different keywords they're looking for. And if you find the intersection between what they're looking for and your business objectives and where there's alignment on those things. So you find that center of that Venn diagram, that's your, your sweet spot. And then you basically just do a gap analysis between your current site and the site architecture And this desired site, which would be best case where you're touching on all the things, you prioritize that and you start working towards building that site architecture. You create the high quality content that Michael's talking about. And you take in what Jake's talking about as far as building really solid about us, why you're authoritative, why you have expertise and making sure that the people in your Organization, you're also building up their expertise and authority and trust. And of course, I I kind of took a few there. I think I might have added a few in. (laughs) I broke my own rule. It was great.
1: It's a great tip. It's a great tip. Yeah, Yeah, no, this was a fun episode. We covered so much. I mean, this is a great resource on Eat. So, so looking forward to. Yeah, no, I really
0: appreciate uh, both you guys' time, Jake and Michael, of uh, doing this. And for everyone else out there, thank you so much for uh, tuning in, listening and, and, and watching. Uh, please make sure to subscribe and, uh, and comment. If you have questions, feel free to reach out to us. We're happy to, to help. This is our passion. So, so thank you so much. Bye. Oh, yeah. Bye. Bye. Subscribe to the podcast and be notified when new episodes go live.